Okay, today we begin Parshas Nitzavim, and uh, I have an ambitious goal today. It was very ambitious. I didn't finish it on the first class, so hopefully we'll do better today. So let's uh, first uh, ask a couple general questions before we get into the Parsha. After Rosh Hashanah, we'll begin... uh, saying all uh, the alchets and the confessions. So one of them is a little bit an unusual one. The sin which we sin before you with the Yetzirah. Well, I thought every Averi did is with the Yetzirah, isn't it? So what's unique about that alchet? Every Averi, every Chet I do is because of the Yetzirah. So why do we specify one for the Yetzirah? That's the first opening question. Uh, the second question is a much more troubling question. Famous Gamor and Yoma. Gamor and Yoma says, When a person does an Avera and repeats it, it is permitted to him. It's no longer an Avera. So Gamor asks, What are you talking about? Do you think really is permitted? We said, no, 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 that's not what he meant. Ela ema, rather, nasas lo keheter. Rather, it has become into something that's permitted. Okay. So what the Gemara means to say, it's not that it is permitted to do the Avera, but the person thinks it's permitted. That's what it means. Okay, so the first question you want to ask is a technical question. So why does the Gemara say what it means in the first place? Just say, when a person reads an Avera, he thinks it's permitted. Why does it write it in a way that needs to be corrected? But here's the real question that we have to deal with, and this is the real topic of the day here. So, okay, let's. this is a Chazal now. We can't argue with a Chazal. So, now we're all trying to do tshuva. We're all trying to do tshuva. Fine. Now, we're all looking into certain aspects of our lives, I'm sure we've all found certain Averis that we've done over the year. Now, here's the real question. Have we not repeated any of those sins? Have you not done any of those sins more than once? Okay, so if you've done that sin more than once, and Chazal are telling us that once you do that, then it's Nasus Lokahutra. So you think it's okay. Right? That means we think it's okay. The Avera, the Avera that I did, I think it's okay. And it's the Hasidish forum saying, what happens if you do the third time? Third time you think it's a mitzvah. Okay, so let, let's just talk about this. I hope I don't digress too much in this, but I'm trying to make the point here. What, what's the difference in the first and the second time? Why the first time it's not permitted and the second time it is permitted? Well, the point is, no, first time an Avera comes to you, so there's a debate going on, the Yitzhatov, the Yitzharah, there's a fight going on, should you, shouldn't you? Well, anyway, the Yitzharah must have won the debate, so you did the Avera. Now, here's the point. What happens after you do the Avera? After the Avera, now there's all kinds of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tumult. There's all kinds, you, you are in, uh, your mind is being thrown all over the place. You know, you, you have mixed feelings now. 
Because every person wants to think they're a good person, right? Every person wants to think they're a good person. And, you know, you did an Avera. And when you did the Avera, you knew it was wrong. So now, you know, the guilt starts to come in. So how can I be a good person if I did something bad? How can I be a good person if I did something bad? So now, because of the turmoil, that's the word I was looking for, the turmoil the person is in, you have to make one of two decisions now. One decision is, well, I am a good person, and that bad thing I shouldn't have done, and for me to stay to be a good person, I have to stop doing that first that bad thing, I have to do tshuva, I have to regret it, blah, 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 and I was a good person who did a bad thing, shame on me, and that was really bad of me, and I hope, and I'll always be embarrassed about that, but, uh, you know, let's just, let's just get it out of the system. That's the smart decision. The not smart decision is, well, I don't know if it's that bad. After all, I'm a good person. Can't be that bad, you know. It's because I did it. <laughs> Can't be that bad. And then your mind starts playing games with you, and you kind of figure, you know, it's it's really not that bad at all. You know, once in a while, a person should be allowed to do that kind of thing. Okay. Well, if it gets to the point where you've rationalized it so much that you've now done it a second time. Well, then the rationalization has been complete. You know, you get caught once doing Avera, okay. Right? We'll say, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's like, the first time, okay. You know, you, you, you can deal with it and say, okay, I made a mistake. But if you can't get to the point to say you made the mistake, and it's just not consistent with how great of a person you think you are, well, how do we know what, to, if you do it again? If you do it again, now you obviously are at the point where you think there's nothing wrong with it. And I remain the good person. And it's, 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 this mitzvah doesn't apply nowadays. It's just we're in a different world. Please, it doesn't apply anymore. I was in the times, you know, you know when you had Tanoim and Amoroim and the Rambam. It's not for now. It's not for now. It's just... Now, you all know all kinds of people who are this way, right? <laughs> And maybe ourselves too. All right, but here is the real problem. If that's what Chazal are saying, and we have to believe that what Chazal said, and now we done it a third time, and you think it's a mitzvah even. I think it's a Jew's obligation to talk in shul. It's really a mitzvah because, yeah, well, there's a lot of shuls that are that way. You know, that's, what do you mean? You have to socialize, you have to be friendly. You know, eh, God's not listening anyway. Whatever, there's lots of people. You know what they do? It's a mitzvah. A mitzvah of these things. So here's the question. How in the world are you ever going to do tshuva? <laughs> okay? I mean, Chazal, pretty much, the only way you can do tshuva if you think you're doing something wrong, I mean, the first element of tshuva, the first element is charata. One of the principal elements, you, you know, the Rebbeinah says 20 steps of tshuva. Fine. How many steps? Whatever says there. The first element is charata. Okay, so how are you going to do Harata? If you're ready to get some mitzvah, how are you going to do Harata? Now that is a really, really challenging thing. And that explains why many people never really do tshuva on a lot of things. Okay, that was a, that's the real question for today. So, and obviously there's got to be an answer to it or we have no hope. So let's move on to this week's Parsha. We're going to focus on two sections in this week's Parsha.
First, the last section of the parsha, and I got the Hebrew and the English. It talks about you know the covenant that we're making at Arvis Moav, and uh, it applies to everybody. And if, and if you don't behave, it's going to be bad, and we're going to have terrible things, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, and then it says towards the end, "Ki mitzvah hazos for this mitzvah." Asher anochi mitzvah that I'm commanding you today. Blah 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 blah. It's not. You might think it's in the heavens and you can't get there, or it's across the oceans and you can't reach. It says no. It's not pashemaimi. It's not in the heavens. No, 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 no. This mitzvah is not such a hard mitzvah. It's really close to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart to do it. So it's not so hard. This mitzvah is not so hard. And it goes on. So first of all, what's the mitzvah? Torah is not very clear of what the mitzvah is. So we're going to have to figure that out soon. But then, See, today I've given you today life, and good, and death, and evil. I have heaven and earth testify today. Life and death, blessing and curse I've given before you. And you will choose life. So that you and your children will live. Okay, how do we understand that line? You will choose life. Is this a piece of advice? Not a piece of advice. What does that mean exactly? So let's uh, let's try to understand. We'll just bring you some of the Rishonim on this, what they have to say about this. So there's really two things we want to focus on right now, but there's going to be a lot more. What is the mitzvah? And what is this words, Uvachar Tavachayim, trying to tell us? So Rashi says, what's the mitzvah? In source four, this thing, it's the Torah was given to you in writing and accompanied by the oral explanation. So it's the Torah Shebechsav and the Torah Shebalpeh. That's the mitzvah. The mitzvah, this mitzvah of learning Torah, it's not that far away from you. It's in your heart and in your mouth to say it. It's the mitzvah of learning Torah. Ramban says no. Since the general topic we've been talking about is tshuva, and the Ramban kind of proves if we'll be talking about Torah, it would use a different language. So he says the mitzvah is also tshuva. It's on the tshuva that's been discussed Throughout this section over here, you know, bad things are going to happen. You're going to do tshuva, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so you have two opinions. Let's move on. What about choosing life? Choosing life. So Rashi brings down something really interesting. He says, even though you have free choice, nevertheless, I instruct you to choose the portion of life. So a person has bechira, but I'm telling you what your bechira should be. It's like a man who says to his son, choose for yourself a fine portion of my estate and then directs him to the best portion, saying, this is the portion which you should choose for yourself. Okay. So let's try to understand what that means. There is, uh, what's Hashem saying? Well, you have a choice. Okay, what's the choice? The choice is life or death. Good or bad, life or death. Okay, if I gave you a choice right now, you could live or you could die. 
You have to think a lot about the choice. Right? Well, the analogy that Rashi is bringing, you know, is, is kind of, doesn't fit exactly. He says, well, the father says, listen, you can take any Porsche you want. Any way you want. But then he takes him to a certain, now you pick that one. Well, he takes him to the best portion. Could be the guy didn't know what the best portion was. So he says, listen, you can pick any one. You might not know where the best one is. I know where the portion is. Here, come over here. Take this. Okay, so the reason why the father had to tell him which one to pick is because he doesn't know which where it is. The guy's got millions of pieces of property. He can take the best one he wants. How's he supposed to which one's the best one? So here, it's this one right here. So now how does that fit into the, the reality here? You have good, you have bad, you got life, you got death. Well, you have to show me where life is. I know where life is. You know. So, like, why why is Hashem having to thrust upon us the, well, really, take the life? Okay, we're not talking about people who have death wishes and are psychotic. I'm not talking about normal people. And normal people don't want to die. And normal people don't need this advice. So why is Hashem giving us this advice? And the Ramban seems to go along the same direction. Source number seven, the Torah repeats to warn them that there are two paths in their hands and it is their choice to go in either one they want. There's nothing preventing them, I should have written it twice, not from the higher or lower entities. It's your Rishos. Okay, so like, what are we saying? Well, you know, don't think you don't have a choice. You have a choice. You have free will choice. I mean, the truth is the Torah never mentioned the whole idea of Bechira once in the Torah yet. Do you know that? The whole idea of Bechira, one of the most fundamental ideas of Yiddishkeit, this is the first time. So we could say, okay, so this is, Torah's informing us that there's an aspect called Bechira. Okay, that's what Ramban is saying. Rashi's also saying that there's an Indian of Bechira, but even though you have Bechira, I could, I could try to advise you, which is a better choice. Yeah, but uh, you need advice to know between life and death? I mean, I don't think people need that. But then as we move further, we look into the Rishonim, it's not so simple if this is the, the entire meaning of this. If we look at the Rambam in his uh, Shmona Prakim, uh, let's take a look at what uh, he talks about free will choice a lot over there. He says, There's no doubt a person has choice, has full sway over his actions. He wants to do something, he does it. He doesn't do it. There's nothing forcing him. Now listen carefully to the next clause here. Rambam is telling us something very interesting. Rama says this all and also in, in Yad Chazak and Hilchas Tshuva. But he adds something here that he doesn't say in Hilchas Tshuva. Umipnei zehi ro'uy litzav also. Therefore God very properly commanded man. Amarei nasayit v'necha yom esachayim esatov esamov esasara etc. Ubacharto b'chayim. Aha. Ramban has added something. It's not just a piece of advice. It's a command. You got to put on tefillin. You got to live. You got to choose life. From Rashi and the Ramban, it seems that, you know, you can do whatever you want, and I'm, I'm, I'm advising you. Uh, advice is one thing. A command is altogether another. You know, 
So he could have said it. Could say it's because of this. It was made sense. Hashem should advise him. No, he commands. So he gave us a choice. Yeah, there's a choice. But now it's not just a choice. Man, so father, so you can pick any portion you want. So the kid picks the worst portion. Is the father going to lash him for that? Is he going to kill him for that? Got a choice. Okay, you know, I, I I like it if you pick the good one because I'd like you to have a good portion. You don't pick a good portion. You don't pick a good portion. You're an idiot. Fine. But here, Rambam is, Rambam is saying he's commanding him, and therefore, v'chay of ha'onesh. And someone gets punished for rebelling against choosing life. Vagamul l'mi shiyavod, etc., etc., and the reward for the one who is obedient. So this is already a little different. Right, really, it didn't it didn't make sense to advise a person to choose life. That didn't make sense. But now to command a person to choose life even makes less sense. Makes less sense. I mean, what do I need a command for? I want to live. You're giving me a command to live? What is this command to live? And Rabbi Yonah and Shari Tshuva, he even is much more emphatic in his description over here in source number nine. And he mentions, Veda, you should know, Kiamalus al Yonos, the highest virtues, Nimsur of the mitzvah say, they come out of positive mitzvahs. I mean, in other words, versus negative mitzvahs, you can attain the highest virtues through the positive mitzvahs. Now he gives a whole bunch of examples of positive mitzvahs, like loving Hashem, Dvekus Hashem, all these kinds of things. And one of the examples is Kemo Malus Abechira, like the virtue of free will choice. That's a mitzvah. She choose life. Rabbi is clearly saying that when the Torah in the beginning of this, like you look back in the first, second, third source, and this mitzvah isn't far away, that's the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah. Okay, so there's this mitzvah to choose life, which needs explanation. And then he goes on after dot, dot, dot. And each one of these mitzvahs come out at different levels of how you can accomplish the mitzvah. That's also a little, bit, a little bit strange. I mean, I understand there's levels of, you know, let's say, doing certain mitzvahs, levels of giving tzedakah. Rambam says eight levels of giving tzedakah. How many levels are there of choosing life? Either you'll live or you're dead. <laughs> you choose to live, that's one level. You choose to live. You choose to die, that's enough. There's only two levels, life or death, I mean. Okay, now, and because of these great virtues, that's why man was created. Hashem created man not to avoid the negatives, but to achieve the positives. For these great virtues, like loving Hashem. I understand loving Hashem, that's a good one. But choosing life? What hope is there for men who And what's going to happen to a person who doesn't labor, doesn't devote his soul's labor and 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 the essence of activities to that what he's created for? In other words, Benyon is saying there's really virtuous commandments here, and you really should be spending a lot of time on that and a lot of effort, a lot of hard work on that, because this is what Hashem made you for. Okay, to live. 
Needs a lot of work. Come on, it's a no-brainer. That's what you were created for? You're created to, to stay alive? So there's obviously got to be a bit more to all this. So this is another important thing. So we're piling on the questions here, right? But we're just keeping going. All right, I hope we don't get lost. Let, let's now, uh, oh, now is another interesting thing. Is this the first time Hashem has given us, uh, has presented before us uh, good and evil and blessing and a curse? Is this the first time we've heard this before? You heard it a little bit before, a little while ago? What? No, 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 no. Where Hashem is telling all the Jewish people, you got a choice. Blessing, curse, good, bad. What? Hargiz and Rebel, yeah, Parshish Re'eh, not so long ago. Not so long ago. Well, let's take a look at Source 10, what it says over there. I'm giving you a blessing and a curse. Okay, so here's a, uh, the Orsameach notices this issue. Blessing and a curse. Didn't mention anything about life and death. How come before it's blessing and a curse and now it's life and death? Okay, that's another question. Let's roll on. Now let's go to the beginning part of the Parsha, a little earlier in the Parsha. As Hashem is making the covenant and bringing everybody here, and He's saying this is really important business, then He talks about certain people who have different ideas. Source 11, There could be somebody who hears about all these curses. And he will bless himself in his heart. Lamor saying, Shalom Yali, it's going to be good. Everything. I have peace. I will follow my heart's desires. Now the next words are very hard to understand. Uh, the comedies really struggle with this. So the English translation here is using based on Rashi. He says, in order to add the punishment of the unintentional sins of man to that of his intentional sins. And then it says, Lo Yova Hashem, so Hashem will not forgive this person. Okay, so there's a lot of things to worry about over here. First of all, there's some grammatical issues. Uh, what does the word Bilvavo mean? With his heart? In his heart? How about in his heart? Levav. Levav. You should love Hashem Bechol Levavacha. With, with your heart, with both sides of the hearts. Hearts. First and will, will bless himself in his hearts. And what's he going to say? For I will follow my... What's Libi mean? Heart. See, the English totally is the opposite here. I'll follow my heart desire. The desires of my heart. What happened? Two hearts became one heart. It's not consistent. That's one problem over there. Um, what's the other problem? Hashem will not forgive the guy. Hashem will not forgive the guy. The guy hears all the curses. I don't worry about the curses. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm, I'll, I'll do what I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be fine. Hashem, oh, that gets him really upset. I'm not going to forgive you. I don't understand. There's a lot worse of errors around that Hashem does forgive. You can murder someone, Hashem will forgive you. You can be Machal Shabbos, someone will forgive you. You can be a Kaifer Be'ikr and do Tshuva, Hashem will forgive you. So he's not going to forgive this guy. And also it's hard to understand. You just heard 98 curses. 98 curses and you just say you're going to go on your way. So what's going on over here? So first of all, what's this idea of Laman Svos Those are very hard words to understand. So Rashi says, 
when the, you know, when the guy says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with my own peace of my heart and everything's going to be fine. I don't have to worry about it. So Hashem, well, well, that attitude, I'm going to add to him punishments. In other words, when a person does a, an Avera Bishol gag, you usually don't get punished for it. But you know what I'm going to do? If you act that behavior, then what I'm going to do is when you do something intentional, I'm going to punch you, punish you even for the unintentional. That's Rashi's pshat. But Ramban says a really incredible pshat. Ramban says, well, I'm going to tell you about the guy who thinks that he knows what he's doing. Bishrusli That's the line, man. Bishrusli I will go after my heart with the desires of my heart. So Ramban says a very interesting idea in human behavior. He's, I wrote the English just one line, the main idea, but the Hebrew. You could have a person who's a very satiated person. So, you know, he does, he's not interested in bad things. A nice guy doesn't have a tiver for this. Or he's not into that stuff. But but what if a little tiver comes to the guy? So and he fulfills that little taiva. As Yosef Benafsha Tava Yesera. Now all of a sudden automatically gets increased extra taiva. And now he really wants to sing much more than before. In other words, he really didn't have a lot of taivas, but then he up said, a little taiva, he gave it to the little taiva, so what's going to happen after you give it to the little taiva? Now that little thing that was a little taiva now becomes a big taiva, but now in the bowl it even says more. And then he really wants things that are really bad that he never ever wanted. <laughs> All right? So he gives the example, you know, for example, the guy never really was interested in being a homosexual. This is Ramban's example. He was never interested in bestiality. Like, cows didn't turn him on. You know? Okay, and one day, he falls into an Avera of Eshazish. He falls in a sin of, of being with a woman. Over time, he's going to be interested in cows. He's going to be interested in men. Tivus he never had before. And this is what the Pasuk is saying, Laman to take that which you were satiated with and now to make you hungry for it, to thirsty for it. You know, what you never were interested in also becomes an interesting thing. Fascinating um, analysis of what Averis can do. And this really is probably the greatest understanding of Avera Goreras Avera. In other words, you know, once you've given in, we'll have to see how this works, what the mechanics of this is. But once you've done one Avera, then sort of the 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 natural consequence of giving into a taiva. It's interesting, the Ramban, you're going to see consistent with many of the Rishonim. Did the Ramban, the Ramban say he did an Avera? Well, he just says, you know, if he has a little taiva, right, a little taiva. You know, he didn't say, so yeah, he fills in that taiva. Now he's going to have other taivas. Okay, so it's it's interesting. He, he's focusing more on the taiva part, not so much the sin part, as you'll see 
other Rishom seem to say the same thing over here. But but the point is that all of a sudden you have new Yetzirahs you never had before. So this answers our first question. What? The Yetzirah. I want to ask forgiveness for the sins that I did from the Yetzirah. What do you mean? From the Yetzirahs that I created. You're right. Every Avera you do is with the Yetzirah. But there are some Averas. I never was interested in them. I never had a Yetzirah for it. But because of my poor behavior, I created Yetzirahs. And I, and I need Shuvah for that. I, I confess that I caused all kinds of Yetzirahs that I created. There's some built-in Yetzirahs. You didn't ask for them. Hashem gave them to you. But there's others that you create. By giving in to certain sins, now we're gonna, now you have other sins you never thought you were gonna do. And those Yetzirahs, you can't say, well, Hashem, you gave me an extra Yetzirah. No, no, I caused that Yetzirah to begin. So that is already part of the consequence of a person says, I can go with my heart's desires. I'm not worried. I can go with my heart's desires. And you got to realize that's what happens. Ooh, yeah. We find, for example, before you don't have error, right? The Yetzir Tov says, don't do this. Yetzirah says, yes, do that. Back and forth, you win with the Yetzirah. Right? Well, at that point, you had two hearts. <laughs> you had the Yetzirah, left ventricle. Yetzir Tov, right ventricle. Bill Vavo, you had two hearts, but then you decided to go with the one heart. But then what happens as time passes? As time passes, the consequences become you have more tivas and more tivas, you're creating more tivas. And just like it says in Source 14 that you're supposed to love Hashem, and Chazal says you have to serve Hashem with both impulses, the Yetzir Tov and the Yetzir A tzaddik is able to take the Yetzir and work for him. And there's no conflict at all. Tzaddik serves Hashem with both his hearts, with his Yetzir Tov and his Yetzir Well, the Yetzir wants to have fun and excitement and all kinds of things, so we just channel it in a good way. Melch had a big Yetzir. He was a bloodthirsty individual. So good, he went and killed Philistines. Right? Not a problem. You know, Yetzir wants you to do all kinds of uh, exciting things. That generally gets you in trouble. But okay, you want to do something exciting? Okay, go kill Philistines. And that's how you get that Yetzirah. You know, there's a lot of things. You want, you're very, you have, you have a, you're a very passionate person. Usually passionate people do terrible things. Usually passionate people do terrible things. Very few of them passionately daven. Don Melech had a big Yetzirah. Very passionate person. His Yetzirah was no less than Ace of Arosh's. They both suffered from the same malady, passion. Yetzirah, the natural direction of passion is in Divayot, Isser. The Vamelech pushed the passion for mitzvahs. So just like you find, you can do, you can have your Yetzirah be forced to work for good, you're seeing over here that the Yetzir Tov can be forced for doing bad. And the Yetzir Tov that always, you know, is cautioning you to do what's right. You see? Where where do you get the idea of Nasa Lokohutra? Where does that come from? Where does Nasa Lokohutra, you think it's okay? Where do you think it's coming from? Your Yetzir Horror from your Yetzir Tov? 
It's good. It's okay. You're allowed to do this. It's a mitzvah. That ain't coming from the Yetzirah. Yetzirah never tells you to do mitzvahs. It's Yetzirah Tov. You understand why it's so hard to get out of it? Because you got the Yetzirah Tov working against you. That is. That is in the beginning to trick you. Right? Yetzirah really says, do the Avera. Do the Avera. Then he'll rationalize it. The Yetzirah Tov says, don't do the Avera. In the beginning, right? But then, but but the Yetzirah tells you do mitzvahs. Doesn't the Yetzirah tov tell you do mitzvahs? Does he tells you, the Yetzirah tells you not to do mitzvahs? The Yetzirah is the one telling you that this is a mitzvah. No, no, no. The Yetzirah tov is telling you it's a mitzvah. It, 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 the Yetzirah will say it's okay to do it now. No one thinks the first time doing aver it's a mitzvah. Not the first time. The second time. Chazal say the first time you do aver, you're never saying it's a mitzvah. Right? It's bad, but okay. I have an excuse. I have an excuse. It doesn't apply to me. No one has such a mother-in-law. No one has such parents. I have the worst parents in the world. I'm never meant to honor these parents. Right? But where does it come to say it's mamish? It's mamish permitted. It's allowed. It means it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. It comes from the eights or twelve. He says, yeah, it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do. Okay, it's a story I can tell, but I don't have time. So anyway, so that so so, it's, so now you got both. So that's what the Pasuk's saying. The person goes, Bill Vavo, he starts, he has two hearts, but then what happens is, now he's only got one heart. Right? It, it's, it's down to one heart. They're all in the same direction. The two hearts aren't working fighting with each other, it now becomes one heart. Okay? So now there's Bechlal no struggle. Bechlal no struggle. That's not a good thing. Now why is Hashem so upset with such a... Oh, wait a minute. I don't want that one. Yeah. Why does... uh, One second. So why will Hashem not forgive this guy? Hashem's going to forgive this guy because the guy who thinks he doesn't have to improve and he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong, that's the worst of everything in the world. When you do not vera, if you at least feel bad about it, okay. If a person now has taken the two hearts and made them into one heart and everything I do is good, Hashem really will not forgive such a person because you don't think you're not right. This is all the same thing, Nasa Kahutra. This is all the same idea. He thinks it's okay. Well, if you think your averis are okay, Hashem is really not happy with such a person. And when he's not happy with such a person, he is not going to forgive such a person. You follow? You see? So you're really in big trouble. So this all starts from what? It all starts from saying, well, I don't have to worry. The rabbi said I shouldn't, you know, have, un- uh, we should not have unfiltered internet. Right? Starts with that. So, okay, you know, what's so bad about the news? The unfiltered news. And then, you know, all of a sudden you see certain things and all of a sudden things you never really were, you know, you weren't so addicted to certain things. All of a sudden you start getting addicted to certain things. And maybe the first time you're Yetzirah said, and I said, well, it's a mitzvah. It's really, you have to know what's going on in the world. You have to keep up with everything, blah, 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 blah. And now, and now you're really stuck. And now you got no way out of it. Hashem will not forgive such a person. It's really bad. So that's what this week's Parsha is telling us. So now we've got to get back to the point. 
And this is, this is really all of our lives, one extent or another, not necessarily such pernicious sins, such heinous crimes, but you know, it's so hard because you really don't think you're doing anything wrong. And this is, you know, Gedolim can talk about things till they're blue in the face and nobody gets it. Nobody gets it, you know. It's just, you just name it. I just, I don't have the time, the patience to go give examples again. Everybody, if you're honest, you really know what it is for yourself. You just keep doing it and you honestly don't really think it's bad. Because if it was, if it was really bad, you would have stopped it by now, wouldn't you? You know, it's like, well, no, let, let's take a different example. Let me somebody. I was just talking to somebody. Somebody's like extremely overweight. And, you know, yeah the, yeah, the doctor tells him it's not good. So, like, why are you still overeating? Why are you, like, doing counter? Like, at the end of the day, you know, so it's, it's, you know, I'd rather enjoy my life. It's not bad being overweight. It's not bad being unhealthy. Like, there are people that say, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll get a heart attack when I'm 50. I enjoyed my life till then. That's it. In other words, it's not bad. What's wrong to die at 50? I had a good life. I had every type I wanted and I died at 50. That's the way I want to go. Uh, and, and people say, that's the lifestyle I choose. I have no karate even. <laughs> right? There are people like that. You know such people? You know, People have told me the face. I know, but you know what? I'd rather have everything I want and okay. And, and then it'll be a good way to go instantly. What I have to, you know, schlep out, you know, be healthy, live till I'm in my 90s, and then you get, you know, then you wither away for 10 years, you know, with dementia. Like, it just get dropped, they get a heart attack, and that's the way to go. They don't really believe that. Kind of oh, yes, they do. <laughs> oh, yes, they do. Okay, so like, so I'm just saying, so the same thing happens with Averos. Same thing with Averos. You know Averos, okay, so big deal. It's, 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 it's good. It's good. It's really good. So how do we get out of it? So Rav Shom Shvadron uh, asked that question. How do we get out of it? So he heard an answer from Rav Eliopian. Uh, no, he said it before Rav Eliopian. Rav Eliopian said it was a good shot. That's, so he says, like, we'll, 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 do a, we'll do some examples here. Okay, let's see if Nasa is so hard in the following situations. Situation one. Let's say you've been going to a store, a butcher store, your whole life for 30 years. Mom is glad kosher to works. All of a sudden you find out that this guy has always sold you trafe meat. Another Muncie story. Right? So that means for 30 years you've gone to a butcher shop, you've bought trafe, eaten trafe for 30 years. That's doing a sin and repeating it for 30 years. Okay, now, what's he going to do next week? Is he going to go to that butcher shop? Well, what do you mean? Once you've done it a few times, it's a mitzvah, right? Why? No, but he won't. He'll stop. Why? Because there's a new revelation came to him that he didn't know before. He was used to going to the nice kosher butcher shop. But he's never gone to a trafe butcher shop. So it's not the same thing anymore. If it's not the same thing anymore, now we're talking about something different. And it's relatively easy for the person to drop it because a new revelation came to him. This is not such a big hit. I'm just taking this slowly. 
I mean, are you going to have to start, let's say, every Thursday, right? Every I go to Kosher Gourmet. It's like clockwork. I don't have to think. The car automatically goes right down the street, left, right, park there, boom. Right? I don't have to think about it. I haven't really thought about their kosher levels. I mean, once I knew it was kosher, it was kosher, right? Okay, now, so like, what happens? And like, and I just do that. Well, why didn't you go in and say, oh, I like going to that store. Yeah, but there's cheaper store. I'm not saying there is. There's cheaper stores a few places. But I'm used to go. I like going to this place. It's just, just like it. I like the people there. I like that. I just go there. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. Okay, now comes out in the paper that he's been serving his trave the whole life. Well, not so local hitra, no. It's a mitzvah. It's good to support the guy. Why will I not? What, what happened to the rule of Chazal? Why will I? Am I going to keep going? No, for sure not. But why not? I did it so many times. The answer is because there's a new level of revelation that did not exist before. Okay? And because of that, it's not the same thing anymore. Do you understand? That's why it's easy for me to let it go. So you see, or is already. But what do you mean? You did the Aver so many times. It doesn't matter. I didn't know he was Trafe. Now that I know he's Trafe, that new level of awareness will change the entire reality. It's a new, it's, it's not the same thing anymore. Okay, then he gives another. Now that's one level. Now I take it up a level. So he gives an example of a person who uses a razor to his face, which you're not allowed to use a razor to your face. Okay, he's been doing it all his life. People tell you, you know, you shouldn't do that. So that ah, I'm going to do it. Then the guy, then he real, then he finds out, you know, when you shave with a razor, it's not one avera, it's five averas. It's not one; it's five. So the guy's saying, "Whoa, five averas." I don't know if I want to get that many Averis for a shave. <laughs> or let's say, uh, the, you know, you, know, you don't realize the level of the uh, consequence to it. Right? Is it the same thing? No, because there's a different consequence. It's now five Averis. It's like, you know, it's like, let's say, you're, you know, you're not so, you're not so worried about, you know, embarrassing people. You know, you enjoy it. Yeah, but then you come across the chazal, ein lo chelet habo. You get no portion world to come. Whoa, I don't know if I'm prepared to do that. Right? It's not, it's, I don't know if that, at that far of a mitzvah, I don't know if it is. It's not worth it. Do you understand? Some of you just don't realize how bad it is. Well, what if, oh, so say the guy, oh, it's five lavim, it's five negatives, well, I better stop. But, but now let's make a third scenario. What if a person doesn't even know what it means to transgress a lav? Is it, you know, when you transgress a lav, you know what happens when you transgress a lav? And let's say it's during times of the base of Migdash. You get 39 lashes with a whip. Times five. That's a lav. Whoa. I just thought it just wasn't keeping the rules. Okay, you understand? You know, it's like, okay, so I did not fear. So, so, so what's going to happen? So, you know, it's like, 
you know, do we follow every uh, traffic law? Okay, I have to admit, you know, I will risk when I looking around. Well, I'll go under yellows that are turning red, and I've gone under reds. You know, I'm not going to do it recklessly, but I do it sometimes. You know, when, when I, you know, you can see, you see the whole, the whole four sides. There's no cars anywhere. There's like no cars anywhere. And you just, you gun it under the yellow, you gun under the red. Because you know the, the, the red on the other side doesn't go green for another two seconds. Anyway, how could I do such a terrible Avera? Or my other big sin, every morning, six o'clock, I'm coming out of Spring Gate, onto Atkinson, there's a, Cursed light there. Not six in the morning. There's one car at six in the morning, and I want to be on time for diving. That light takes two minutes to change. I'm not waiting. I look everywhere. I treat it like I make a left right on the red. Oh, I said that in a sheer years ago. Somebody thought I was the worst person. How could you go against Canadian law? I said, Canadian law? Who made up Canadian law? Shem never made up that law. Okay, and if I get caught, I'll have to pay the ticket. I have no excuse, but I've done it for... 25 years, nothing's happened yet. Oh, you, I, I disturb the esoteric realities of Canadian. Let's drink up. I have no connection to Canadian law. You know, you make sure you don't do something that's really... Stealing I wouldn't do, not because it's Canadian law. It's Torah law. Okay, you, I mean, you got you to gotta follow the law, but some are just silly. It's just silly. It's just to control you. I mean, I don't go through, I don't make a, I don't go through a red light in the middle of the day. Obviously, but it's six o'clock. Like it got. I mean, I'm just sitting here for two minutes. There's never a car. Like never a car. So what is inherently wrong? Anyway, you could discuss that because I'll say, "Oh, I thought Ronald House was a nice guy. He's not a nice guy anymore." I probably gave a shear to Balchuvas. That guy couldn't get over. I said, "How could you do that?" I said, "Why not?" I have a mitzvah to be in shul on time. I said, "But you're going against Canadian law. What law?" They decide one day, yes, you know, there used to not be a light at Spring Gate, and there was not a light. There used to be a stop sign first. That's the way it was supposed to be. Yeah, they put the light, because during rush hour, there's a lot of car, but it's six o'clock morning, I don't need a light. Why don't you make it a flashing light? No, they'll never talk to you. Call them up. They're never going to answer you. Okay, like, I don't give a hoot about Canada. Like, you know, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't have any relationship with them. They don't care about me. I don't care about them. I just, you know, I just make sure I don't do anything really bad. You know, I won't. I won't steal. I won't do this thing. You know, just leave me alone. And and you know what? And and if you know, but what happens if they're going to catch you one day? No, they'll catch you one day. So they're going to char- give me a hundred dollar ticket. You know, if I knew, even it's worth it for twenty five years. You know, all the time they add two minutes every day, three hundred and fifty days a year times twenty years. You count it up. You do the math. It's worth a hundred dollars in my time. Because end of the day, like, what did I do already? You know, or even if I'm going to get a ticket, you know, I'll go to court, I'll, I'll hire, what's his name, that nice from guy Breslow, he'll go in over there, he'll say he didn't know this and that, and that. they're going to reduce the points, reduce the tickets, yeah, I'll fit a way out. You know, you don't think there's Jews who think about the same thing with Hashem and his best in? You know, I'm going to take Breslow with me to Shemayim, and he'll find a way to get me in. But then you find out it's not that way. I never knew that. I never knew that. Oh, well, maybe maybe it's not worth it. That's the way the person who has both Yatesers going in the wrong direction. It's the only way for the person to get out of it. 
That is the only way to get out. We just, we, that was the opening question. How do you ever get out? Once you've repeated an Avera, it's Nasa Kahucha. How do you get out of it? You've got all kinds of extra Yetzirahs you never had before. And that's what Rev. Karlenstein says in Source 15. If a person learns Musar and will learn how severe the sin is, he will increase a recognition and understanding of the great destruction that was caused in the wake of his sins. So from now on, he has an aspect of Panim Chadoshas, a new face in relation to the past sins. He'll never relate to those sins as something which is permitted. Because at the end of the day, you know, the person realizes it's not as simple as I thought it was. Okay, so I want to take this a step further because I because uh, I think we have to get it a little better now. Because okay, that, that that could work if you really, but even that's a little bit hard because it's all the next world. It's a hard thing to really digest. So let me offer another. I'm not saying this is wrong. I think you know that's the real Musser world, you know. And to really think this is really, it's really, it's not like what you think. It's really terrible. Okay. So let's give another scenario. Let's give another scenario. Let's say you have a uh, a parent who is extremely aggressive. That's their personality. Aggressive personality. And uh, and you know when they want something done, they make sure it gets done. You know whatever it is, you know they make sure it gets done. You know, type A personality. You know want want things ready. Want the the house clean. You know, you have chores in the house. You want the kids to do the chores. You know you have different people. You know, some will say you know. Rivka, would you be so kind and help clean up for Shabbos? You know, that, that, that's one kind, you know, or you know, I really need your help. I said, Rivka, will you clean up already? We expect it to get done. What are you, what are you, lazy good for nothing? You know, and, and you intimidate people till they get it done, yeah? There's different ways of getting things done, right? Now, intimidating people is, is very much part of Ona'as Devarim. Hurtful speech. Intimidating people to do things, it, it's really an Avera. It is, because it's a hurtful speech. People don't like being, do you like being intimidated? I don't like being intimidated, although I don't get intimidated very often. Yeah. If a guy had a gun in front of me, I'd be a bit intimidated. But yeah, people disagree with me, it doesn't intimidate me. People make demands, it doesn't intimidate me. But... I have thicker skin. Holocaust survivors, children, you know. But uh, most people do not like being intimidated. Do you understand? That's Onaz Dvarim. If you intimidate somebody, you are doing an Avera. It's clear. It's going to Avera. But since you are a type A personality and it works so well, you don't even, it doesn't dawn on you it's an Avera. I mean, you've got to really do a little research to know that, Onaz, that that's Onaz Dvarim. You with me? You, you follow what's going on over here? So there's a lot of people who like to intimidate people. A lot. So And many say that's a virtue. Because that's how you get things done. You with me? So, you know, it could be the wife will tell the guy, you know, you're very intimidating. So, get things done. Fine. It's a mitzvah. Okay, now how about one day the father's uh, taking a Shabbos shluf on his couch. And uh, the kids know you don't you don't disturb Abba when he has the couch. Oh, he'll explode! He'll kill you! It's just, you know. So two of his teenage sons are talking to each other in the den, but Dad's asleep. 
So they start talking about their father. They say, you know, hell, dad's sleeping. Yeah, he always sleeps. You know, crazy. So we've got to be careful not to wake up. Yeah, he, if we wake him up, he's a monster. He'll kill us. And then they start talking about dad and, you know, you know, I really don't like dad very much. As a matter of fact, I don't think he loves me. I don't feel any connection to dad. Man, I just can't wait till I graduate high school and I can go to yeshiva and I never have to see his face again. He just intimidates the heck out of me. And the other brother says, yeah, yeah, right, but just make sure dad never hears that. Unbeknownst to them, the father was not sleeping. And the father, for the first time, hears that his kids don't love him. They want to get far away from him. It's now been revealed to him for the first time the consequences of his intimidating behavior. Do you think he's still going to think it's a mitzvah? Did it ever dawn on him the effect of what he's doing to other people that he loves so much? Is it going to be still Nasa and it's a mitzvah to do those things? Now at least he's got a chance. Now it's a, just like the person never thought that the, what he did is such a bad Avera. Let's take it away from being an Avera. Forget about the Avera. But the damage you've done to those that you love or to yourself. Now that that becomes revealed, it's a Panim Chadashis. It's a new reality. So that becomes another way of getting out of it. So that's why when, you, when you're involved in certain areas, you have to look at the Averis. That, no, but it's not an Avera, you see. So this becomes interesting. You've got to do it certain behaviors that you do often, and you've got to say, I wonder if this is an Avera or not, and let me, I should try to reframe it and look at it from a different perspective. If I would look at a different perspective, would it still pass the smell test? So why am I I'm saying, so it doesn't have to necessarily come from a quote-unquote Musser point, oh, now the punishment is so bad and all that kind of stuff. It's just to, to if you can bring on, shine on a new awareness of what the realities are because of that, that can accomplish the same goal. And therefore, it's a wise thing for you know, a, a, a husband to talk to a wife, a wife to talk to a husband and say, you know, are there any places where I'm really messing up? But you got to be careful when someone they offer you this. You can't just say, "Well, you're aggressive." That's not going to work. So, well, it's good to be aggressive. Then you have to know how to say it, and you have to be careful. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just saying it easy. Well, you should know your aggression makes it very hard for me to feel close with you. And I've been fooling you for the last 10, 20 years. I really can't stand when you do that. And a lot of other things. I don't want to go any further. Do you, you understand? You understand? Now, you know, he could still be an idiot and argue. Or maybe maybe listen this time. Do you, do you see? This becomes a, a what we call a petach tikva. An opening of hope for a person to be able to do tshuva. That's, we have to start looking for those avenues because we are mired in these issues. Okay? But let's try to... Uh, where am I here now? Uh, yeah. So now, so that that so so that you that's a way you could get out. But if you still want to go with the the way you want to live your life and you don't care about anything else, so you know it's you're going to be stuck in this. 
But you got to know another thing. And what makes Hashem so upset? Really, the theme of today's class is the person who thinks he's doing everything right, how much Hashem hates such a person. That's what it's all about. That Hashem said, I'm not going to forgive him. I'm not going to forgive him. What's the matter? Wendy, what's the matter? Am I getting you upset? <laughs> she's, 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 it's a signal, yeah. What? Okay, okay. How did Rabbi Chalts know that uh, I didn't at all? Hashem gave me this uh, thought. Because those kind of people, they don't hear it. If you see it somewhere in your life and you try so hard to You have to be clever to, to, to show it in the light that they can see it. You know, I've, I've had cases where wives, they confronted the husband and they told them, they told the husband, I'm telling you, your four sons, they hate you. And they feel they don't love you. And, and he got it. He got it. He got it. He got it. And he, it, was a different, it was a different type of person. It wasn't a person who was uh, uh, that kind of person. They had different uh, whatever. But they could get it. But when it's not such a close relationship like that, for you to say it to a person, well, listen, it, that's the midst of Tochacha. Well, that's their problem. But it, it, they have to get somebody who it's not their own. It's, it is their business. That's why often I try to have people who are close to the person say it than I say it. You know, and whatever. Uh, that, that's right. We're not talking about technique now. That's a different issue. It's a different class. You need a therapist and a psychologist. A guy. That's not my, I'm the rabbi. I just give you the... The theory, the the MS, you got to figure out the technicals, okay? You're right. You, you understand. But all I'm telling you, there's a way out. I'm just saying there's a way out. That's all I'm saying. And it's not just for that person. It's for me. It's for me. It's for me. Whatever I'm there, I'm still having trouble with, right? That I have to look at it. I have to expand my analysis beyond, thank you, uh, beyond that, right? But you see, but Hashem, now, now why is Hashem so upset now with this guy? You know, remember we asked before in Re'eh, it just says, Brachan Kolo. Brachan Kolo. All of a sudden now it's Chaim and Moves. What happened? Why is it not Chaim and Moves? So says the Meshechachma, unbelievable. Well, what changed between Parsha's Re'eh and this Parsha? Something has really changed. We now have a new thing. We've gone through the whole Torah. We never heard of this concept once before in the Torah. Tshuva. Has not existed in the Torah until this point. Where has Hashem ever said the word tshuva in his Torah yet? I don't talk about Chazal and Medrashim and this and that. I'm talking about straight out the word teshuva. Ah, this Parsha. In other words, we've gone 51 Parshas. My God, fifth, no, 50, yeah, 51 Parshas. We haven't heard of Bahira once. We haven't heard of Teshuva once. Okay, so now it's very simple, says Memeshachachma. Uh, he says, no, if we don't know about Teshuva, then if you make the wrong mistakes, you could say it's a bracha, it's a klala. But now you got the option to do tshuva. <laughs> you make a mistake. You do something good. It's a bracha. You make a mistake. It's a clow. I get it. But now we're whipping out a new little thing. Here's tshuva. You can fix it up. 
and you're not willing to fix it up? Whoa. Everything's fine. I don't need to do any tshuva. Whoa. So I ain't going to forgive that guy. That koala will turn into death. That's what, that's what gets Hashem really upset. I already gave you a way out, for goodness sake. I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you a chance to clean it up. This, this is the new revelation. We went through a whole Torah without once because really it wasn't no Gaya yet. It wasn't no Gaya. Why? Because we went in the desert for 40 years. It really wasn't much of a Yetzer. You only, you know, you have to remember this story with Korach. It was just one incidentals. In 40 years, 40 years times 365 days, you do the math. And what are you going to pick about the uh, 10 sins? I mean, there was no, there was a leading month. It, was, it wasn't real. They're going to go there to Israel. Ooh, we're going to have all kinds of averes. We're going to have a fun time doing lots of sins in Eretz Israel. Now you really need to know what Shuvah is all about. So that gets Hashem very upset that the Klala. A klala, we make a bad mistake. Okay, you get a klala. But now you're dead. That's really bad. And let's think about it. What is the worst possible punishment a person can ever get? It's unbelievable. What's the worst possible punishment a person can ever get? Ah, uh, Misa. No, no, okay. Kares. No. Let's see. The Rambam says, source 16, I got to go fast now because I'm not even close to being finished. But I got to talk really fast. Rama says there's certain Averis that you do that you get punished in the next world. Uh, different punishments. And first talks about punishments, you get punished the sinner, his possessions, his kids, whatever. Some punishments you get in this world, some punishments in the next world, some punishments this world and the next world, blah 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 blah. Now, after all the dot dot dots, you're about more than oh, it's about halfway through. But then he's going to talk about the worst. A person may commit a great sin or many sins causing the judgment rendered before the true judge to be that the retribution administered transgressor for this sins which he willfully and constantly committed is that his tshuva will be held back. The greatest punishment is that your tshuva is held back. He will not be allowed the chance to repent from his wickedness so that he will die and be wiped out because of the sin he committed. Okay. Now, let's t- let's understand this. So, one of the examples is Paro. Ramu gives him Paro. Paro so many Averis, Hashem didn't let him do tshuva. Uh, dying in your hate. That means you never get out of it. You never get out of it. That's what you are. That's what you are forever. That explains all kinds of fascinating Chazal that I don't have time to get into, where you see even the next world, the disgusting Midos um, uh, still exist even in the next world. They don't, they don't change. There's certain certain types of people, they're not lucky enough that Gehenna doesn't Gehenna don't work for them. They've corrupted themselves so much, it doesn't change when you get to the next world either. It just doesn't change. You know, uh, for example, they give the, I forgot who uh, was, was it uncle? I remember someone was bringing up people from the dead to ask what they should do. So they asked, uh, I think I'm mixing it up. It's more getting, I don't remember. The idea I remember, the names always, we brought up Titus, he brought up uh, Yoshka. I think he brought up Titus. I think 
I could be wrong in the detail. Brab Titus says, well, should, should, we, should we fight against the Jews? Now, this is right in the next world. This is after you're burning in hell and all these things are going on with Titus. Like, he's really getting it bad. He says, you know what? Go after them. Make trouble for them. What's your idiot? Make trouble for them? You're suffering now for what you did. The answer is, you don't change in the next world. Some people, you don't change in the next world. The worst sin is that you can't do tshuva. Period. All right? Paro couldn't do tshuva. He did so many sins, Hashem said, you're not going to be able to do tshuva. Now, but let's look at this fellow over here. The person who's a repeat violator. The person that I go be shri be. I don't need to ask the rabbi any shilas. I know everything. Right? And he constantly makes the same mistakes over and over. I don't, I, I can, everything I do is a mitzvah. Blah, 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 blah. So what's the worst punishment? The worst punishment is that you're not going to do tshuva. And that you remain with that hate forever. And ever. And it does go away. But this is the real kicker. This is the real kicker. You know, and whose fault was it? Your fault. But let's explain a little better. You know, we go to Paro, eventually, you know, let's say CNN was interviewing Paro after Egypt was destroyed. You know, why didn't you do Chula? He says, what do you want? God hardened my heart. Okay, he does have a little excuse. You know, I mean, he did a lot of things to deserve that punishment, but at the end of the day, like, why couldn't you at the end do it? Because Hashem hardened my heart. But you good-for-nothing Jew who thinks you're so uh, great, and you keep repeating the Averas, why didn't you do tshuva? Hashem didn't harden your heart. It's just you never thought you should do tshuva. So it's like you brought it to yourself. You brought to yourself the inability to do the tshuva. Because you're so right. It's not that Hashem hardened your heart. You did. And you're 100% responsible for that. And you're ending up in that reality. No, no, no. He just—it's not dawning on him to do tshuva. No, no, no. He's saying you can't do it. I'm saying you can't do it. That's what he means. His will be held back. What he means is not that it's not accepted. He's just not given it. He will not be allowed the chance to repent. He will not be allowed the chance. He's not doing the tshuva. Not that Shuvah is not accepted. He's not doing it. I'm saying he will not be allowed the chance to repent. It doesn't say Hashem won't forgive him. He's not saying they're very so bad Hashem doesn't forget. He just doesn't even do tshuva. So yeah, Paro, Hashem didn't let him do tshuva. But this falls not Paro. It's not Hashem's only. He himself isn't letting himself do tshuva. Do you understand? The worst punishment is not doing tshuva for a sin that you did. And who's responsible? Don't blame Hashem. He didn't harden your heart. You did it. And you remained that way forever. Whoa, that's not fun. That's not fun. Now maybe consider that for the man who never does anything wrong. Alright, so all of us who think we haven't done anything wrong, just realize that if it's a big big gamble because if we did, we're going to remain with that forever. So that's kind of uh, not fun. Okay, now that's that's a little bit of musr to think it up, but we still have a little bit more. And I, I'm sorry, I would love to take questions, but I, it's going to take longer, and we're just going to have to live with the question. I'm really sorry, <laughs> as much as I would like to, but I know how much more is going on, and I got to get it done. 
So let's move on. Let's go back to that mitzvah of Bachar to Bachayim. We kind of, there's so much to talk about here. You have to know what, when to stop talking. But uh, there's still too many loose ends. You know, Rabbi. One second. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to that Rabbi Yonah. Rabbi Yonah says that a Bachar to Bachayim is, is a positive mitzvah. It's a positive mitzvah. So the Sefer Haredim goes a little bit further to explain what Rabbi Yonah means. Source 17. Sefer Haredim says, Every time that a person refrains from sinning in a situation of a prohibited act or doubtful prohibited act, he has fulfilled this positive mitzvah of and choose life. You fulfill the mitzvah of by controlling yourself from doing an Avera. Or even if it's a suffix, if it's a vera, the hex, you're not sure about the hexer. Did they lose the hexer or not? Still looks okay to me. It's a suffix, but you know, I'll eat it anyway. Even though at the end they'll find it was a good hexer, but you still have transgressed the bachar to behind. You follow? Even though you, you didn't know for sure it's not vera, and at the end it turned out it wasn't a vera, you still have transgressed the bachar to behind. Interesting scenario. Why did he lay to that idea, even a suffix, even a doubtful one? He says, we have to understand what this mitzvah is, but it seems this mitzvah is, if you refrain from doing a navera, you fulfill the mitzvah of which is kind of interesting. I mean, if you fulfill a mitzvah, you fulfill a mitzvah. I don't get it. You fulfill a mitzvah, you fulfill a mitzvah. No, you fulfill a mitzvah, you got bachar to what does that mean? Well, let's, uh, well you're, you're refraining from it. What does that mean? So let's think about it. So let's say, let's say you, uh, uh, you, you, okay, let's say you uh, left really hot days lately, yeah? Usually you put your leftovers in the fridge, right? Especially things like with mayonnaise and stuff like that, right? And uh, it was a really good salad you made and you let it stay overnight in the house. It's been sitting out for like 24 hours. But it really is, still smells great. Okay, and this way you know different people have different attitudes about things, right? Would you eat it or not? So I would eat it, but anyway, but it's, <laughs> I've done it my whole life, nothing's ever happened. But, but I know a lot of people won't. So the question is like, why won't you eat it? It's like, it's like yummy. It was, it was so good yesterday. Now, if it smells bad, I'd throw it out too. But it doesn't smell bad. I, people are like neurotic about this. Even it's out for two hours, you know. Like when, when we finish Kiddush in shul, and finish, at one o'clock, so we serve chon, right? Chon, right? Serve chon. And some of us, if chon's left over, we'll serve it again for shalshudas. Why not? You know, we're going to throw it out, half a thing. Turn it so, you know, so, and, and we, so was, Kiddush was over, and we left it on the counter for four or five hours. And uh, this guy said, oh, it's been on the counter. I'm not eating it. I said, you don't have to I'm eating it. I'm going to have a good time. I ate it. Nothing happened to me. But people are very neurotic about that. So let me ask you, why? Why are you so neurotic? What do you mean? I don't want to die. <laughs> Your botulism, E. coli, face, this, the death is in the, in the chulin pot there. But, you know, but what are the odds what do you mean? I'm not even taking the 1% risk. You think I want to be in the hospital, in the emergency, pumping my stomach? and you know, Like, we, we are a little neurotic about it. I mean, you know, it's 
I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying it's totally baseless, but 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 all I'm trying to say, if there's even a little doubt, you won't do it, right? How come we don't treat Averis that way? How come you weren't careful about that about that hechsher? We weren't sure about that but he ate it anyway. What happened to your neuroses? Why weren't you neurotic about not doing an Avera? Can only be one answer. Because you don't believe that mitzvahs give you life and Averas give you death. There can be no other explanation for it. And this is what the Torah is saying, Ubacharta Bahaim. Choose life. Make a decision that you're choosing life. Not, okay, I'm doing a mitzvah, I'm not doing a mitzvah, it's a suffix, suffix, you know, I'm not sure if the heksh is good, you know, I'll take my chances. That means you don't realize what a mitzvah is. And you fulfill the mitzvah of a when you behave towards the mitzvah in a way that you treat it like a life and death issue. Right? And therefore, even, even if it turned out to be kosher, and you didn't even have air, you still transgress to Bechart you follow? Now that's a whole new Avera you never had before, or mitzvah, mitzvah or Avera, right? You know what? You chose not to eat it. You know what? That means you chose life. You you looked at a mitzvah that it's eternal life or eternal death. Now that makes that the mitzvah that's unique about that. All right? Well, when you refrain, when you refrain from no, eating it, it's a bachar to bachaim. We're not going to tell you to choose it. Then you have transgressed bachar to bachaim, and by obvious michlalava to shomeyahein, then it means you've chosen death. You're supposed to eat. A, you're supposed to eat. Do a mitzvah. What if you don't do it, you you haven't done that level. So I'm telling you, choose life. If you're not choosing life, there are not too many options left. Now that now we ask the question of Rayonna, well why there's so many levels about that? Well that I can understand. It's not just a question of living and dying now, it's it's a lot of levels of appreciating that. Well now how am I gonna be able to make these right decisions? Yes, sir, Solomon Sarasca says an amazing idea. One of one of one of my most favorite uh Osnaim Latoras that are there. He said, I don't understand. The whole the whole game is rigged. Hashem has its destined to lose. What do we got? We got we got a, a mechama between the body and the soul. Body and the soul, right? Okay, that's what it is. Yiddish case a mechama, the body and the soul. Uh, he talks a lot about this, the smog, in his introduction to the Sefer mitzvahs from Moshe of Kutzi. He talks about the whole thing of the body and the soul and this and that and the greatness of man. And he says, if a person is able to live like a human being, right? The, the soul wants to be like an animal. Uh, the, the body wants to be like an animal. The soul wants to be like a malach. And and the, and the, I don't have it here. The smog says, he says, if everything he does in life is like a behema, well, that's not good. But if everything that is in the physical world, he does it for the sake of Hashem, his service is accepted by, by Hashem greater than that of a malach, because a malach doesn't have a yitzar. You can engage in the physical world and do it l'shem shemaim. You're even better than a malach. If God forbid your yetsuara wins over you, and you behave like a behema, then you're like a behema. You're worse than a behema because a behema doesn't even have a neshama. That's a new way of looking at choose life. 
choose life, choose to live like a human being, choose death, live like a behemoth. So I asked Reb, not related, but asked Reb Zalman Saraski, he says, I don't get it. You're telling me it's a fight between the body and the soul. Now, I know you don't know a lot about sports, ladies. You don't know a lot about it. But but there is something in sports that every, well, a lot of people know. It's called home field advantage. Home field advantage. You know, when the Toronto Blue Jays play in Toronto and the Toronto guy gets up, they're all saying, you can do it. Willie, hit it out of the park, Willie. You know, we're behind you. We love you. Now, you like hearing that when you're getting up to bat. When the other guys are coming, the, the enemies, boo, you're a stinker, this, that, you're a jerk, blah, blah, blah. You don't like that. You know? So there's a certain value to home field advantage. In Las Vegas, when they have to, and it's very serious business, Vegas, there's betting on these things, and you have to decide by how much they're going to win. I mean, millions of dollars rides on what's the point spread and this and that, and home field advantage is worth a certain amount. I'm just telling you that. That's all you don't need anything more. So now, so now the biggest, you know, you know, like, you know, when, when you're playing like the championship games, you have to play seven games. They have to be fair, you know, four games in one place, three in the other. You can't have all seven games in one place. Why one gets four, that's another story. But anyway, all right. So now imagine you're, you now have a big battle. It's the Yates or Tovia Now, where is the home field for the Yates or Tov and the Neshama? Where is the home field? It's in Shemaim. Right? It's in Shemaim. Where's the home field for the body? Planet Earth. Where are we playing our games every day of the year? Planet Earth. It's not fair. The body has a home field advantage. Now, Reblazer did not use, Zalman did not use the word home field advantage, but I'm trying to make it more relevant. So how do you expect to win? And if we lived somewhere in the stratosphere, it would be fair. Not in heaven, not on the earth, but it's not the way it is. So he gives a very simple answer. He says, that's true, but once Hashem gave us the Torah... It's a whole new ball game. And he quotes the fa- famous Gemaras, the Pirkeiavos. Ten people are learning Torah. The Shechina rests upon them. And how do you know even one? Where the Pasuk says, wherever I allow my name to be called, that's where I will be. So in other words, when a person, now that we have Torah, if you learn Torah, you can bring the home field down. So Lamashal, if the Toronto team is playing in Boston, it's not good. But if they have access to buy all 50,000 tickets and have all Torontonians there, then you've got the home field advantage even if you're in Boston, right? That's the one way you could cheat the system, right? If you could do that somehow. How can you do that with Yiddishkeit? Very simple. If you learn Torah, boom, Hashem's down there. You transferred the Oretz to Shemayim. You've stolen the home field advantage. You get that by learning Torah. Ah, learning Torah, home field advantage. Should I be like an animal? Should I be a person? It depends where you think you're living. If you're living on a farm, you act like a behemoth. If you're living in Shemaim, you act like a, an angel. But I think I'm a behemoth and I live in the world. But how about you make your world become a heavenly place? And you have the home field advantage. So the mitzvah, the mitzvah, what is this mitzvah? Well, there seems to be three opinions what the mitzvah is. I think there's three different ways of looking at the same thing. This mitzvah, you know, you think it's so far away, I can never get it, it's impossible. No, it's really close. The mitzvah of tshuva. You can do tshuva. How can I do tshuva? I've done a million averis and the person repeats, it's impossible, I can't do it. Oh, not so fast, it's not so impossible. Tshuva isn't across the road, it's not that far away. Because as part of that is the Torah is not that far away. And if you would learn Torah, learn Musa, you could bring Shemaim down into the earth. And there's a way of looking at things a little bit differently. 
And isn't that really what Bacharta Bachayim means? Choose life, choose to live like a person, like a malach, and not like an angel. And that's what the Dorish Tov succinctly says, source 18. The command of therefore choose life is to take the animal portion that is in your body and transform it the way he says it better into a shtickle malach. Sounds much better than into a piece of an angel. It just doesn't translate good. I can't give me a better translation. I translate shtickle malach in English. And a piece of an angel. That's what a bacharta bachai means. Choose life. Choose to live. If you look in all the Rishonim, and all, and we'll look one more, Rabbi Yonah. When we talk about the Russian, we don't talk about his Averos. It's not so much his Averos. It's how does he live? Does he live like a person? Does he live like a behemoth? That's the bottom line. It's all about that. Because as we said last week, you want to have a relationship with Hashem? You've got to be an Adam. Right? You have to have the Dumus Elohim. You have to be married. That's one thing. But now we're saying simple. You just can't be an animal. You can't have a relationship with Hashem, you're an animal. Choose to live like a person and not like an animal. Choose to focus on the spiritual aspect of what mitzvahs is all about. And that's going to... Now the person who goes to be shrewsly be, he's obviously an animal. He, he can't expand his vision. You have to bring Shemaim down and that enables the person to expand his vision. So you want to talk about Shuvah. If the guy's not learning Torah, it's not going to work. You could have a person doing every mitzvah in the book. And he still has not fulfilled the mitzvah b'chayr to b'chayr. Hasn't fulfilled it at all. And and you're the kind of person who, you're, you're totally a goofy. I, that's what I was to say, goofy. You know, in Hebrew, goofy. Right? Sometimes I call my wife goofy in a nice way. Ishto kagufo. I say, ishto kagufo. Your wife's like, you're right. So I call you goofy. You're my body. First time I called her goofy, she says, what? I said, you're goofy. You're my body. But anyway, so, what? What's? What, it's what, what else? Guys, you're you're my body. I treat I treat my body with respect. I treat you with respect. But this guy, he's a total goofnik. Maybe that's where they, usually. Maybe I don't know. You know, in 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 the second world, when you call someone a goof, it's an insult. It's an insult. Oh, he's a goof. Yeah, he is. He's a shtick body. It's a goof. What do you think the guy must have been a yid? Must have called the guy a goof. You know, and the guy said, oh, "That's an interesting word. You call him goof." All right, but I'm just saying, you're all into the goof, then you're not choosing life. And that's what Rabbi says, and this is a really killer. It'll leave you with a real... So now, let's figure it out now. So now, the your choice, what's the choice at the end of the day? Hashem is now telling you, Baharati, you know what your choice is? Do you want to be a person? Do you want to be a behemoth? That's the choice. That's the choice. If you're a person, you're alive. A behemoth is dead. You're not alive. You're doing a lot of things, but you're not alive. And that's the main judgment in Rosh Hashanah. When we say that Hashem, Zachreinu L'chaim, Kasveinu L'chaim, right, all these Chaims, what are we talking about? We're saying, Hashem, please, <clears throat> judge us as people and not as animals, please. So Hashem says, you know, it's up to you how you want me to judge you. That's really in your hands, not in my hands. So you got to be kind of careful, you know, Rosh Hashanah is a very dangerous time. What do I mean Dangerous. If you're interested, if you really think Rosh Hashanah is like such an important day, why do we eat so much? <laughs> I mean, my gosh, the eating is unbelievable. The answer is we're trying to take that physical world and really give it all to Hashem. It's very, very hard, you know, to eat the apple and the honey and think everything was Shem Shemayim. 
all the deeper Kabbalistic understandings of the apple and what it represents. And too bad you're not going to be in my shul where I'm going to spend the whole night discussing that. But, you know, it's not just the apple and the honey, you know. You get out, people complain, I lost a lot, I gained a lot of weight over here because I had to eat all those simonim. So you don't have to eat them, you can look at them too. <laughs> you can still say that he wrote some right now, looking at them. But, uh, but, but there's a lot of eating going on. Yeah, but the question is, how are you going to eat it? You're going to eat it like a behemoth. You're going to eat it like a like an Eved Hashem. So that kind of decides, you know, you're going to. That's why the minute is not to sleep on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, because because a, a cow sleeps on Rosh Hashanah. A person could never sleep on Rosh Hashanah. It's just a minig. It's not just a minig. A lot of these minhagim are. They kind of say, "Are you a person? Or are you a behemoth?" So we keep talking about life and life and life. Well, you're saying I want to live like a. Like a human being, a shtickle malach. That's what I want to live like. Look how Rabbi Yona ends this. It's really scary. He says, You know that the wicked man's soul, which in his lifetime, again, he doesn't say, does Averis, does Averis, does Averis. He says, lusts entirely for the desires of the body and not at all for the service of God. And which is sundered from it. Now, okay, so you know, somebody say, he's not saying, he's a Russia, he's a bad guy. But why? He goes entirely for the desires of the body and not all for the service of God. What do you mean? He's putting on tefillin. That's not it. He doesn't want to avoda Hashem. It's just what you do. You know, your real avoda Hashem is, 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 you know, how you eat, everything. Are you, are you go, is, is the body what excites you? Is the soul that excites you? And then what happens? Well, then you die. Now, what happens after you die? And which is sundered from its roots, descends at its death into the earth, to the place of its lost, and follows the pattern of dust, descending and not rising. Ah, but it does ascend to the heights. I said, no, no, you're going to go up to Shemaim. Why? For justice and judgment. <laughs> I'm not finished. You're going to go up to get your punishment. In order to witness how it has bartered the heights of the nether world. As a stone flung from the hollow of a sling, he says, "Look what you." He says, "Hashem brings you up to show you what you gave away. What you gave away. You see all these nice those those nerdy Jews in shul that you thought were really weird because they were always learning, not talking lush and horror, and they were kind of nerd. They weren't the cool guys. Those are the guys that are up under the. They're in Hashem's yeshiva. They're the top of the class over there. So I want you to know what you gave up because you're going right back down. And that's the kafakel. You get swung back and forth, up and down. After ascending on high, it descends in accordance with its nature to the earth as a stone returns and falls to earth after it's been thrown. So that's uh, that's how it all ends up. So remember, Rabbi Yonah did not say you did Averos. He says, Kol tavosol that's all it was about. So that's what this Parsha, and that's a good way to kind of end, uh, we're coming to the end of the Torah, is to realize that that's what Ubacharta Bachayim is. And that, it, that needs as many Madregos in Ubacharta Bachayim. And there's a lot of Avodah in Ubacharta Bachayim. And therefore Hashem wants to mamish, He's begging you to Ubacharta Bachayim. It's advice, that's also a command. Because the mitzvah is, is just connection to Hashem. Hashem says, at the end of the day, it's all about the connection. So again, you know, don't get lost in Rosh Hashanah and worry about the punishments and the judgments and all those things. Just worry, are you a person or are you not a person? Hashem does not get a lot of geshmak when cows coronate him. He gets a lot of geshmak when human beings have a choice to yes or not coronate him and they choose to coronate him. And you coronate him by not being a cow. (laughs) 
and being and being as much of a, a malach as you can. So if, for those of us who figure, oh man, it's too late. So the Chedusha Arim says in Parshas Re'ei, Re'ei Anochi Nosein Livnechem Ayom Brachel Klala. He says every day you can make that choice. So even if you made the wrong choice for 50 years, but Hayom, you can make the choice. So it's never never too late. So Hashem should help us that we should uh, make the right choices and how we want to live our lives. Okay, next, I'm 